What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you had a great weekend. We're talking all the football that happened. We're going to get into college football. I'm going to give you my top 12. The line of deserving teams has moved for my rankings. We'll get into that. And then, of course, the NFL. We're going to highlight some young, fun quarterbacks that played well over the weekend. And then I'm going to give you the nine teams who can win the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. football part of the show this week let's just jump let's just jump straight into the top 12 we had the four big games over the weekend thankfully because of the, my top 12 we're going to cover all those games kind of as we work through it so let's start as we always do here at shooting the schmidt at number 12 oklahoma they lost a rivalry game on the road by three okay i had them ranked ninth last week i can't i'm not going to penalize them too much for that right they do have two losses now though they do not deserve to make the playoff. Let's be honest here. They can't make the playoff. Even if they went out, even if they beat Texas again, they they can't make the playoff at this point, which is a good thing. Okay, 12 teams, way too many. That is the theme here. And because, look, I don't care to see them play Texas again. Honestly, if they can't beat Oklahoma, or excuse me, if they can't beat Oklahoma State, then they can't beat Alabama. Probably not going to beat Ohio State. Probably not going to beat Oregon or Florida State or Washington or Michigan or Georgia. It's, just, it's not going to happen. Okay, they've been disappointing. You know, I think after the Texas win, people really got their hopes up for Oklahoma. Brett Venables, the squad, who, despite the two losses, is so much better than they were last year. I mean, you really have to tip your cap to Venables and the turnaround that he was able to put together at Oklahoma from last year to this year. But you got to win on the road if you want to make the playoff. And they didn't do that. They lost to Kansas on the road, who was playing a backup quarterback. Still unbelievable. And then, obviously, they lose to... Oregon State on the road in Stillwater in the final edition of Bedlam. Great game, back and forth. Oklahoma just so happened to come out on the wrong side of it. Number 11, I put Oregon State. They're a good team. They're not making the playoff, though. They're 7-2, and two, two losses. That is two losses too many. Number 10, Ole Miss. Love Ole Miss. They score a lot of points. They don't play much defense. They played Georgia this week who obviously we're going to get to here in a bit because if you've been listening to the podcast, then you know where I have Georgia ranked. Um, They play them this week. If Ole Miss wins that game, they could make the playoff. If they win out, they they legitimately have a chance to make the playoff. Alabama would have to lose at some point, um, which is you know very possible. We're about to get to them here in a sec. Number nine, Penn State. They play Michigan this week. They can still make the playoff. If they win out, they'll have a chance, right? Um, big game for them. I'll be honest. I don't think this game is going to be close. I think Michigan's going to run through them. Uh, we'll get to Michigan a little bit more here here in a minute. But Penn State, they are still eligible for the playoff. Not deserving yet, though, because they they haven't beaten a ranked team yet. Ole Miss, not quite deserving yet. They had their big win over LSU, who now has three losses. Um, so I don't think they're quite yet over that line of deserving teams. They got to win this Saturday, beat Georgia, and then they will most definitely jump over that line of deserving teams. After Penn State is where I draw the line. I think there are eight teams in the country currently who deserve a chance to play in the college football playoff as the weeks go on, as these teams play each other. 
I think we will all come to an agreement that there are no more than six teams who may or may not deserve a chance to win the playoff. So, number eight, I have Alabama. Last week, I only had seven teams. I drew the line right below Alabama in terms of teams who were deserving. So, Jonathan, what has Alabama done to go from undeserving to deserving? So, obviously, Alabama loses to Texas early on in the year. People start freaking out. Nick Saban, oh my gosh, it's the decline. He needs to retire. Yada, yada, yada. All that kind of stuff. Since losing to Texas, Alabama has beaten Ole Miss, currently ranked 10th in the country. Tennessee, uh, or somewhere around a top 15 team in the country. And LSU, another team that's roughly a top 15 team in the country. They controlled all three of those games. If they went out, they are deserving to be in the playoff. If the playoff started today and we had an 18 playoff, I think Alabama would be and should be team number eight. It's a good football team. They've really figured it out. Milrow has gotten better. He had a big game against LSU on Saturday. The kid is so athletic, and he's figuring out how to spread the football around as well. Alabama at eight, first team above the line of deserving teams. Number seven, Texas. Didn't move them from last week. Big win over Kansas State. Tough game, right? They win in overtime. Fantastic. If they went out, if they're able to beat Oklahoma or whoever they end up playing now in the Big 12 championship game, then they will most definitely be deserving to make the playoff. Number six, Ohio State. I can't do it anymore. I can't pretend. I don't care that the college football playoff has them as the number one ranked team in the country. I understand they haven't lost. Obviously, I don't believe that they deserve to be ranked number one like the college football playoff committee does. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But if they went out, they'll probably deserve that number one ranking. Love wins over Penn State and Michigan. But i got to be honest with you. I'm not a believer in this offense. I'm not. Okay, I don't think Kyle McCord's that guy. I think Marvin Harrison Jr., is this offense. The defense, however, has been really, really good. Uh, But at the same time, we haven't seen them play any sort of elite quarterback yet. That'll obviously change when they face J.J. McCarthy and the Michigan Wolverines. So I've got Ohio State at 6. I just want to see more from the offense. I'm not a believer. Sorry. Number 4. Or excuse me, number 5. Almost skipped. Number 5, I've got Oregon. I think they're the third best team in the country. But Washington beat them. So I can't rank them higher than Washington. I can't rank them higher than Florida State, who I have it for, because Florida State has two good wins and no losses. Oregon's most impressive win was over Utah. You know, I don't believe that there's a thing as impressive losses, um, but if there was, it would be their loss to Washington on the road. Um, yeah, so I, I have a really hard time putting them over Florida State at four, who's beaten LSU and Duke, and they crushed LSU. Right, And those are their only good wins. I think all their other wins are against bad ACC teams like Syracuse and teams like that. But that's not their fault. Um, They won without their two leading receivers on Saturday. Uh, Even though it was against Pitt, I think that's impressive. Got to be honest, I don't know if Ohio State could beat Pitt if Marvin Harrison Jr. was hurt. Got to be honest with you. Number three, Washington. They beat beat USC in a shootout, 52-42. to The over on 76.5 was the easiest bet of the week. You know, if you were listening on Friday, I I hope you bet on that. Um, Even if Washington loses to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, you could convince me that they belong in the playoff over Florida State. Uh, It'll be hard to convince the committee of that. Um, But yeah, Washington, really good football team. They score a lot of points. The defense does just enough in order for them to win these games. And Michael Penix Jr. is on an absolute tear. They've got two fantastic receivers on the outside. It's a really good team. 
Really, really good team up there in Washington. Number two, Michigan. They continue to crush inferior opponents. Okay, we're going to see how good they are on Saturday when they play Penn State on the road. Sadly, that game's at noon. I hate, hate how Fox does their big games at noon. Okay, because I want to see a whiteout at night at Penn State. That's what I want to see, and that's what this game would have been. It would have been rowdy. We would have seen Michigan in a beyond hostile environment. Like, the environment's still going to be good, right, because it's Penn State, it's Michigan. You know, it's number two, number nine, in theory, if the college football playoff committee decides to to take what I've laid out for them. Um, it'll probably be like number three against number ten, something like that. I mean, this is a top ten matchup. I want to see this happen at night. I want to see the Nittany Lions at night against Michigan in a whiteout. That's what I want to see. We're not going to get it. Game's being, being played at noon, which I think helps Michigan. Uh, but this is still Michigan's first tough game of the year. They've dominated all of their all the teams that they've seen so far. We're going to find out a lot about Michigan on Saturday when they play Penn State on the road. Can't wait for it. Um, I like Michigan by a lot, just telling you right now. Number one, Georgia. They just beat a really good Missouri team, ranked 12th in the country according to the College Football Playoff Committee. Um, again, I don't think Ohio State could beat Missouri with or without Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe. Georgia, I still think that they're the best team in the country. Um, they won without Brock Bowers. I mean, it's they're good, right? They're good. Um, the defense has kind of started to figure it out. And, yeah, I mean, you beat a good team like Missouri without your best player, I think, I think that says a lot. So their schedule continues to be tough. As I said earlier, they get Ole Miss this week. Can't wait to watch that. Um, yeah, I can't wait. It should be another great weekend of college football coming up. So that is my top 12. Let me run you through it one more time. Uh, Starting at the top, number 12, Oklahoma, 11, Oregon State, 10, Ole Miss, 9, Penn State, 8, Alabama, 7, Texas, 6, Ohio State, 5th, Oregon, 4th, Florida State, 3rd, Washington, 2nd, Michigan, and number 1. The best team in the country still resides in the Southeastern Conference. It is the Georgia Bulldogs. Don't get it twisted. That's a really good football team. We're going to see it over these next couple weeks because they just beat Missouri, they're probably going to beat Ole Miss, they're probably going to beat Tennessee, and then we're going to see them in the SEC championship game, probably beat Alabama. So, Georgia, best team in the country. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into the NFL. I've got the nine best teams in the NFL, and I've got three quarterbacks that I thought were just fun to watch on Sunday. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. NFL Sunday was, dare I say, pretty great. So let's start with... Three performances that I just want to cover really quickly, and then we'll get to the nine teams that I think can currently win the Super Bowl. I'll start with Aiden O'Connell, rookie for the Las Vegas Raiders, former walk-on at Purdue University, making his first career start. The Raiders, you know, with Jimmy G. Hurt, decided to not start the 40-year-old backup who has no future in the NFL because he's 40 years old. And they're like, hey, Remember the guy we took in, like, the fourth round? Maybe we should play him and see if he's any good. And he was good. I thought he was all right. 16 for 25, 209 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no picks. Didn't get sacked. Got rid of the ball quickly. Raiders did a good job of keeping him clean. Quarterback rating at 82.5 with a passer rating of 90.3. Really good. I, I thought, you know, he did everything that he needed to do in order for the Raiders to win. They win 30-6. to six. Uh, I thought he did a good job of finding Devontae Adams. You could tell they didn't really 
pushed the ball super deep. It didn't feel like uh, Trey Tucker had, had a couple big plays, um, you know, with the big uh, 50-yard reception. Uh, Jacoby Myers, he had a 24-yard reception. Uh, Renfro had a big play as well, but for the most part, felt pretty safe, pretty standard for, you know, a, a rookie quarterback. But I think the biggest thing that the Raiders did to really help him was they ran the football extremely well. Josh Jacobs, 26 carries, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jacoby Myers ha- had a big had a big run. Um, they just did a really good job of keeping the pressure off of him between the offensive line and their ability to run the football. Aiden O'Connell, I thought he looked good for the Raiders. Um, you know, until Jimmy G comes back, he's going to be the guy. So, next quarterback. Really, it's these two I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to hit on O'Connell really quickly because people have been wondering why he hadn't been playing. Josh Dobbs. What? Like, like I just I don't understand Josh Dobbs, okay? He bounces around the NFL. He's a journeyman. You know, Kyler Murray isn't going to play this year in Arizona, it looks like. So the Cardinals are like, hey, Josh Dobbs, he'll work. You know, he's he will suffice for now. And he was too good for the Cardinals because the Cardinals wanted to lose games. And they were in games. They were battling through. That was not an issue this week now that Josh Dobbs is a Viking. The Cardinals got shut out by the Browns. I mean, just absolutely dominated. Uh, So Josh Dobbs is like, okay, that's fine. The Vikings, they want to make the playoffs. Let me go make a big impact. So he shows up there on Tuesday. And they're like, hey, man, you're like, you're not going to learn the playbook quick enough. We're going to throw Jaron Hall out, 25-year-old out of BYU, you know, you know, the following week, we'll 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 give you the ball. Okay, cool, whatever. And then Jaron Hall suffers a concussion. It's like, hey man, I know you don't know your teammates' names. I know you haven't taken any reps with the starters, but uh, you're up. Take us to victory. And you know, I I took Atlanta minus three and a half, and I I felt good originally because I was like, Jaron Hall, not a big deal. And then Dobbs comes out. I'm like, he doesn't know the offense, not a big deal. And then seven big scrambles, one for a huge touchdown, moves the ball down the field at the end of the game in order for them to get the win. I just I, I can't believe that this happened. You got to be really impressed with Dobbs has done, and with the amount of crap that I talked, the amount of dirt I threw on Joshua Dobbs's name to start the season when talking about the Cardinals. This is so fitting that he would ruin one of my favorite bets of the week for me. Um, so yeah, Josh Dobbs, fantastic, so much fun to watch. It's cool when we find backups who are actually solid. Because let's be honest, like there aren't that many good quarterbacks in the NFL. We go into every single season really excited. But then by this point in the year, you know, when backups start playing and stuff, we're like, geez, man, like playing quarterback in the NFL is really it's so hard to be good at this. And so whenever we find these good backup quarterbacks, I'm very appreciative of them. Um, it makes it okay to not root for the overprotection of quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, moving on to the dude of the week. I mean, how can you not love C.J. Stroud, who threw for over 300 yards in the second half, set a rookie passing record against the Buccaneers. He was 30 for 42, 470 yards passing, five touchdowns, no interceptions, sacked three times. He's been awesome this year, and we just saw it again on Sunday. He's the only quarterback in the NFL, the only one, who has 200 passing attempts, who has thrown less than three interceptions. He's thrown one interception all year as a rookie while shredding defenses. 
I mean, absolutely shredding teams. He's been awesome. He's relied on different guys. He's played behind a messed up offensive line all year. This Texans offensive line hasn't been healthy, and it hasn't mattered. C.J. Stroud's been awesome. Uh, he's just he's been overly impressive. The, the Houston didn't run the ball. Okay, they ran the ball 17 times. It was like, you know what, no, we're going to put everything on the arm of our young rookie quarterback, and he's going to go win the game for us, and he did. He was nothing short of spectacular. Five touchdown passes, um, just really incredible performance from the kid out of Ohio State. I, you can't say, like, it's clear at this point, he has been the best rookie quarterback of this class so far. Bryce Young is just, you know, he threw three picks on Sunday against the Colts, two pick sixes. Carolina is just bad. I think that's part of it. Um, but, yeah, D- D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, the Texans have a future. They're going to be really good going forward. It looks like they have their guy, which after the whole Deshaun Watson debacle, so glad that the Texans have their guy to kind of build their franchise around going forward. C.J. Stroud, nothing short of spectacular. Now, let's get to the nine teams that can win the Super Bowl. Here's here's my list. In rough order. Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Miami Dolphins, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, the Dallas Cowboys, and the San Francisco 49ers. These are the four teams who have at least a 1% chance of winning the Super Bowl. There are four teams at the top that if I was was telling you to put money down, if I was to put money down on it, I would pick one of these four teams. I think that if you were to not pick one of these four teams, you're crazy. That or you just know something that I don't. So those four teams would be the Ravens, who look like the best team in the NFL so far. And it's like, well, Jonathan, they had that weird loss to the Colts. Yeah, the Chiefs had a weird loss to the Colts last year, and... Colts are way better this year than they were last year. I wouldn't really worry about that. They played in a hurricane, right? Really weird game. So Ravens, Eagles, they look like the best team in the NFC. I don't know who's going to beat them. They have a real distinct advantage of it really being like first and nine. Because if, if they get to fourth and one, they're just going to do uh, the the brotherly shove, which is way better than tush push. And yeah, I mean, Eagles, best team in the NFC. Uber talented. They haven't even played a good game yet, it doesn't feel like. It felt like the game on Sunday. They didn't play a great game, and they still came out. They beat a good Cowboys team, 28-23. to Next, the Chiefs. I mean, they're awesome. The defense is good. Very complete offense. Got to be better in the second half. They're averaging seven points in the second half on the season. That's got to be better. Um, but look, it's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid with a really, really good defense. This is most definitely one of the four best teams in the NFL. And then the Bengals, who have now won four in a row. Joe Burrow, finally healthy. The defense, once again, is really good. So those are the four best teams. And now, what do all four of these teams have in common? Why is it that these four are just on an entirely different level than everybody else? Well, first and foremost, all four of these teams get after the quarterback. Okay, the Ravens, they're number one in sacks per game at 3.9. They're averaging basically four sacks a game. That's ridiculous. The Chiefs, their fourth in pressure rate. The Bengals, their fourth in quarterback knockdown percentage. The Eagles, they're tied for fifth in sacks on the on the year, and we know how deep that defensive line is. We saw them get after Dak Prescott 
over and over again yesterday. I mean, all four of these teams can rush the passer. Um, all four of these teams keep their opponents out of the end zone. The Ravens, they have the number one scoring defense in the league at 13.8 points per game allowed. The Chiefs, they have the number two scoring defense in the league. Um, at They're at like four, 14, uh, they're at roughly uh, 14.5 points per game allowed. Back to the Ravens. They held the Seahawks to three points, and a couple weeks ago they held the Lions to like three points. Those are two good offenses. This Ravens defense is nothing short of spectacular. As much praise as we want to throw on Lamar, and we'll get to him here in a second, this Ravens defense deserves a lot of props. They've been awesome this year. Back to these teams and their abilities to keep their opponents out of the end zone. The Bengals, over their four-game winning streak, they've given up 17 points per game. That's really, really good. Now, the Eagles, the defense, a bit of a concern, but their offense is so powerful that they don't have to have a top-10 defense. They have to have a top-14 defense, which they do. They've got guys on the back end who can play. I already hit on the defensive line earlier, the great equalizer when you're able to control the trenches the way that this Eagles defense does. Okay? All four of these teams, great on the defensive side of the ball. All four of these teams have good coaches. John Harbaugh doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Andy Reid, one of the best offensive minds in football. Zach Taylor, this is another year of him turning it around. He's a good coach. I know there are a lot of questions when he was hired, when the Bengals weren't doing so hot before they made the Super Bowl run. There was like, is this guy actually a good coach? Yeah, he's a solid option as your head coach. Then obviously the Eagles have Nick Sirianni, who's just been an absolute home run hire for them. All four of these teams... Also have elite quarterbacks. Okay, you got Lamar Jackson. I think he's the MVP of the year so far. He he would have my vote if the NFL gave me a vote on that. The Chiefs, obviously Mahomes, best quarterback in the NFL. Joe Burrow, finally healthy again. Jalen Hurts, he's having another good year. I mean, these four teams, above and beyond, everybody else, they all also have weapons at some capacity, right? Eagles, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, Goddard, who's going to be out the next four weeks, He's also great for them at tight end. Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. The Chiefs, um, Travis Kelsey. The Ravens, geez, Odell Beckham, Mark Andrews. Um, short. Oh, what's his name out of Boston College? Oh, my gosh, he's awesome. He's the rookie. They took him in the first round this year. Oh, uh, Zay Flowers, there we go. It came to me. I mean, they've all, they're very complete football teams, all four of them. That is why they're the four favorites. Now, There's everyone else who basically have to be the 2019 San Francisco 49ers to have a chance at winning the Super Bowl. Jonathan, what do you mean? I mean, they have a deficiency somewhere. For the 2019 49ers, it was the quarterback spot. But they were perfect everywhere else, and because of that, they were able to make an appearance in the Super Bowl. So all these teams, they had deficiencies somewhere. They just have to figure out a way to mask those. Let's start with, this is an order of teams I like the most here. Most to least most in terms of these teams' uh, Super Bowl probabilities. Out of everyone in this tier, I like the Dolphins the most. Now, I know what everyone's going to say. Dolphins in their last six games against teams with a winning winning record, they're 0-6. Jonathan, they can't do it against the good teams. And look, totally fair, that's going to be the narrative around them until they win one. But this is a good team. I think we saw that on Sunday. Let's look at the last six. Sunday, they lose to the Chiefs in Germany 21-14. to Every game played abroad is weird. Every single one is. Okay, and the fact that it's these two offenses only scoring 14 points apiece, 
right? Because the the Chiefs they they had the the scoop and score to, to end the first half. Like that's weird. That is not normal. They look and then moving on to the ne- to the game they lost earlier this year. They lost on the road against the Eagles, where they had a ton of injuries. Okay, they lose that game 31-17. Earlier in the year, coming off the 70-point win, they lose on the road against the Bills, 48 to 20. Look, they're coming in, they came in just a little bit too high. They got humbled. It happens. After that, we have to go back to last year, where they lose to the Bills in the playoffs with their backup quarterback, Skylar Thompson, 34 to 31. Before that, their you know, their previous loss before that. Um, is also with the backup quarterback. They lose to the Patriots, 23-21, playing Teddy Bridgewater, who's now a backup in Detroit. And then game before that, where the six-game losing streak against teams with a winning record started, was to the Bills, 32-29, in the snow. Okay? So none of these games are at home. Two of them are with a backup quarterback. One of these games was in Europe. Against the Eagles, they had a bunch of injuries. Now look, I'm not dismissing the six losses because injuries and things like that happen. But they're all on the road. They're all a little weird. I'm just telling you, do not sell your stock on the Dolphins yet. Now that they're healthy, the defense looks really good. They took Travis Kelsey out of that football game. And we know what the offense is capable of. And if you watch that Chiefs-Dolphins game on Sunday, then you know. Every time the Dolphins had something going offensively, there was a drive-killing penalty. They would cross the 50. They would, you know, commit a false start. There'd be an illegal motion. They would hold somebody. And this is why the Dolphins are in this tier and not in, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL tiers because Tua can't make up for penalties against good teams. But the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Eagles, and the Bengals can because of what they have at the quarterback position. That is the difference between these four teams and these five. The ability at the quarterback position can make up for the mistakes, whereas all of these teams, they cannot. Let's move on to the Jags. Now, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback amongst these five teams that are in this tier. Okay, my concern is their red zone and third down offense. They're great on defense. They have a top 10 scoring defense. They get off the field on third down. The Jags are fifth in the NFL in third down defense, and they're top 10 in defensive red zone touchdown percentage. What does that mean? That means they get off the field on third down, and they give up field goals, not touchdowns. That's what good defenses in the NFL do. But the offense just hasn't really been there. They haven't been good on third down. They haven't been good in the red zone. Once they figure those things out, which you would assume that with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, they would, this is going to be a really dangerous team heading into the playoffs. Defense is good. The offense just has to figure it out on third down and in the red zone. If they do that, they're going to be really tough on whoever they end up playing at some point in the season. Next, the Lions. The limitation is Jared Goff. He's gotten a lot better. He's still limited, though. This defense is much improved from last year. The offense moves the ball well. They're second in yards per game. But this defense, really bad in the red zone. Okay, They are great on third down, bad in the red zone. Okay, That, combined with Goff's limited ability, is concerning. They have to get better defensively in the red area if they want to really be able to compete for a Super Bowl. 49ers. They've lost three games in a row. Brock Purdy has really struggled in those games. And this is, once again, the 2019 49ers. That's who they are. They have a solid but not great quarterback, several elite weapons around him. The defense is talented, and that's where my questions lie. This defense is too talented to be as bad as they've been this year. 
Okay? Um, and the defense has to be better if they want to win the NFC, if they want to beat the Eagles. Their third down defense isn't good, which is unacceptable given the talent they have on the defensive line. And the red zone defense is even worse. they got to figure those two things out if they want a chance to win the NFC. They're not getting off the field on third down, and they're giving up touchdowns instead of holding teams to field goals, which is not what usually happens with the San Francisco 49er defenses. Final team here, the Cowboys. Of all the teams, they have the smallest chance to go on a run. Um, If this defense goes on a tear where they force a bunch of turnovers, they could win the Super Bowl. That's the only way that it happens. Okay, this offense is bad in the red zone. The defense is bad in the red zone. And it's hard to win when you're trading field goals for touchdowns. You're not going to win when you do that. And, well, correction, the only way you're going to do that is if you have the ball more than your opponent. And when we see the games where the Cowboys have looked really good, it's because they forced a lot of turnovers. Okay, they didn't force a ton of turnovers last night. I don't think they forced any turnovers yesterday when they played against the Eagles of Philadelphia. Let me actually double-check that here. Really, really quickly. Where is that at? But either way, like you see my point. If the Cowboys aren't forcing turnovers against these better teams, then they aren't winning those games. And if they aren't forcing turnovers, this defense doesn't look as great as we all think that it is. Um, but that being said, like the defense still is good. I just don't think that it's great. Um, yeah, that's kind of – there's my two cents on the Cowboys. Um, I think they're fun. I think Mike, Michael Parsons is a great player. Um but that's really about it when it comes to the Cowboys of Dallas. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Those are the nine teams as of today that I think can win the Super Bowl. Um, outside of that, there's some good teams out there. Seahawks are a good team. Um, the Bills are a good team. But they're just they're missing something. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, this is a long segment. Jeez. Um, I'll be back again on Wednesday. We're going to get into hoops. Obviously, we'll talk more Wimby then. And college basketball starts tonight. I'll do a thing on college basketball on Wednesday as well. So if you're a college hoops fan, like, subscribe, follow, all those types of things. And so we don't miss anything on college hoops. That way you don't miss anything on the NBA or the NFL or college football because we're covering it all here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you again for listening. I'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Wednesday.